Maximize Your Influence is your podcast for the latest persuasion, sales, and negotiation techniques. Our mission is to help you influence on command, anyone, anytime, anywhere. Your host is the author of Persuasion IQ, Laws of Charisma, and the best-selling book, Maximum Influence. Now, your host, Kurt Mortensen. Woohoo! And welcome back. This is Maximize Your Influence. Kurt Mortensen here. This is podcast 461. We're going to take a dive into how to lead, persuade, and sell in this hybrid world. Everything's changing. What's the new normal? We'll talk about different ways, different medium that we can persuade, influence, and sell others to our products and our ideas. Good to have you here. Tell your family, friends, and enemies about the podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Google, social media, YouTube, you name it, under Maximize Your Influence. Hope everyone's having an awesome week. You're achieving your goals. You're influencing on command. You're convincing with charisma. Whatever you need, let's do it. We're going to get more tools in your persuasion, influence, leadership toolbox. Hey, it's all influence. Getting other people to want to do what you want them to do and like doing it. Just has a different label. Some negotiate, some lean, some sell, some persuade, some influence. And yes, they're different. Remember, persuasion, you bring someone to your point of view. It's more active. You're using the tools and techniques of persuasion versus influence happens when you're not there. It's more of who you are, your track record, your history, your credibility, your trust, your charisma. Negotiation, very different. Give, take, give, take, and you meet somewhere in the middle. And which one should you use? And the answer's, uh, yeah, depends, all of them. That's going to be our answer today. It depends. It depends. And the more you can adapt to the prospect, to the person, to the culture, to the personality, to the department, and get past your default setting of persuading others how you like to be persuaded, adapt to those different areas, that is the key factor. So crazy week for me, I actually took a midnight flight out to Alabama. It was fun. We talked a lot about communication, influencing, how to have that courageous conversation and maintain the relationship. That's a popular topic right now. So with that, let's get into the persuasion blunder. Don't, don't, don't which happened on that trip. So this trip, I landed about 5 a.m. in the morning. Okay, a little groggy. And I actually had to fly into Atlanta. And the border of Alabama is just about an hour away. So, you know, I have a preferred service with Avis. In Atlanta, you walk and you walk. And you have to take a monorail train to the rental car center. You get there and it's, there's no one around. There was no one at the Avis counter, which is okay. I preferred. My little app told me the type of car and the space. And I walked and walked some more. I looked around, nothing around to fit this prescription. And I have to tell you, when I walked by the Avis counter, no cars available. I'm like, okay, this is great. This was great. So I walked all the way back, nobody around. And I started looking around, trying some phone numbers. And then somebody came and then someone stuck in line in front of me. I'm like, oh, great. I mean, just tell me the car number. Just give me something. And, you know, she was supposed to be off work. She did help. She was a little stressed. She did fix it. Just took me an extra hour and was a little late for the meeting, I have to say. She did give me a Porsche, though. <laughs> Interesting rental choice. Had some giddy-up. That was fun. Anyway, that's what happened. So I was a little peeved. Not at her, but, you know, really. A, there's nobody around. B, I'm wasting my time. And C, it's, I mean, it should be easy. You just you get in there and you get your car. It's pretty simple. All right, fast forward. I get home, they want feedback for my rental. You know, the email that you get? I got the email and I let them have it. Not cool, this and that. 
I gave my honest opinion. I said, I don't know whose fault it was. It wasn't the person that helped me. I mean, it did take him a long time, but that's a whole nother issue. <laughs> anyway, here's the blunder. So I filled it all out, rating them, putting in the numbers, filled in the text field, let them know what happened. A pop-up, hey, will you please give us a Google review? <laughs> okay, I think I will. Anyway, that's the blunder. Now, obviously, if I'm happy, I gave them pretty low scores. So my review is not a good review. And I don't think they want that on Google, but they encouraged me, reminded me, and so I went to Google and put in my review, which I never would have done on my own. I, that's not something I normally do, but they encouraged me to, so I did. So something to be in place there that if you're getting good reviews, you want to go to Google, but you don't want to encourage people to put bad reviews on Google or any type of social media. So there's the blunder. They probably don't even realize it. Like, oh yeah, it's going to be positive. But then back up the challenges, they should know that now that I think about it, because more people are likely to put a bad review than a good review. That's just how people are. So that is the blunder of the week. And that takes us to our listener email. Oh boy! And remember, email me at Kurt, K-U-R-T at MaximizeYourInfluence.com with tips, questions. When I use your tips or article or questions on the podcast, you get the gold version of InfluenceUniversity.com for free. Pretty much the archive library and the 52-week, pretty simple, tool-a-week program. All online, you go as fast and slow as you want. Or even check out the free version at InfluenceUniversity.com. This is Eleanor, says from the United States. Hey, Kurt, I was listening to a podcast on Zoom fatigue, and I agree is real. So the archives, you can check those out at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. Also the home of your free persuasion IQ assessment, the new edition of Maximum Influence, and everything else you need. So that's the place. So she was listening to the podcast on Zoom fatigue. She says, <laughs> I agree that it is real. I have it. I give it. I'm contagious. What do I do? Should I keep using it? Should I use more email, phone, texting? What is the best for persuasion and sales? All right. Great question. And here's my answer. Drum roll. <laughs> it depends. <laughs> I know things have changed in the last few years. People are loving their Zoom. A lot of companies are like, man, this isn't expensive. People can work at home. They can do the presentations wherever they want. They don't have to travel. They don't have to fly. Yeah, that's true. You save a lot of money. It's quicker, faster, and easier. It's great for checking things off the list, getting things done. But we do know, if you listen to the earlier podcast, that Zoom creativity goes down, anxiety goes up, it takes more mental energy. Anyway, I was mentioning to some of you that a lot of companies, seeing this in the news right now, are trying to get people to come back. No, you can't work at home or do a hybrid, little at home, little at work. But working with a software company, it's a SaaS company, and they were launching a new version Huge glitch, cost them a lot of money, and they felt, upper management, C-level felt, that if it, they were there chatting in the hallways, having face-to-face -face meetings, dropping in, just chatting, that never would have happened. Something happened to where the communication fell, and it was such an easy thing that shouldn't have happened, but it did because there was no communication. The pop in the just casual talking, hey, what about in a meeting? Because that doesn't happen as much on Zoom as it does face-to-face. So that's our email from Eleanor. Let's talk about it and get into our scholarly article. I won't call it geeky. I reserve that for the journals, the really hardcore collegiate university type studies. This has some links to that. I'll put this link at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. It's from Forbes.com. Larry English and a HubSpot study. 
Before I dive into it, just know that we've seen this major shift. This hybrid thing, home office, digital, face-to-face, even more electronic with texting and email. And so what are organizations doing? What I've noticed consulting and teaching and training is that upper management hates it. (laughs) Everyone else kind of loves it. I mean, even with a sales organization, it's fun. It's nice to work at home, but there's something about that synergy, that energy in a sales room, everyone getting together. Most people need that. It does increase sales. There's no doubt about it versus doing it on your own. So all these organizations are changing, are looking at this new reality, this new normal, what's going on, what's happening. This is a McKinsey survey that nine out of 10 organizations plan to combine remote and on-site work going forward. We've got to meet in the middle of somewhere. That's what most of them are planning to do. It's kind of the new normal and it's challenging. It'd be nice if everyone's in the same room, knowing how to commute. So it's not going to happen, but that's reality. So in that situation, how do you sell? How do you engage? How do you influence? How do you motivate? How do you communicate? How do you collaborate? How can you be effective as a leader? All of the above. I mean, having that productive work environment. So to the article, Forbes.com, they talk about what it's going to be the new norm, this hybrid thing, especially in sales. So that HubSpot study I was mentioning found that 64% of companies that switched to virtual sales met or exceeded revenue goals compared to the 50% of organizations that stuck just the traditional model. So they're saying it actually helped. Probably because the last couple of years, maybe people couldn't do the face-to-face, but some people do prefer different forms of communication. See, the in-person meeting eats up a lot of time. There's the chit-chat, which some people need. It is easier, faster, schedule virtual meetings. Again, you don't have to travel. You don't have to dress up. You don't have to take a shower, right? So you're getting more meetings. It's easier to schedule, and it costs less money. One study found that salespeople can interact with four times as many accounts. And that's probably why sales are going up for a lot of organizations, because when you increase your prospects by 4x, you're going to get more sales. Now, what it doesn't tell us is the close rate, meaning the amount of people they were able to persuade. Does that go down? If you're talking to four times more people and still getting your sales goals, that means your close rates are going down. So this digital side, we can work from home. It's easier to get on. It's easier to send information. And it can make your sales call more effective. Again, how are you going to define effective? Getting it done, it's very efficient. But has your close rate gone up or gone down? So doing it hybrid, digital, your prospect pool goes up. You have access to more people. It's not just limited to your city or geography or your area. Because everyone's trying to cut through this digital noise. You have to be more creative. You have to personalize the messages more. You have to cut through that clutter, get a quicker, faster what's in it for them. On the flip side, let me add this. We know with most B2B sales that... 95% of them have already researched you, your company, your product, or service. So that should shorten the sales cycle, as long as you do it the right way. In the past, it's going from A to Z, beginning, end, product, benefits, features. Now you might start at the letter M or the letter S. They might just have a few questions, so it should speed up the sales cycle. Negatives, close rates are getting lower. We don't have the face-to-face. We're not getting relationships. We're not able to build as much rapport. I'm going to add we lose energy and charisma through the computer screen, through the camera. Again, we love it. It's faster, quicker, easier, simpler. It saves water because people aren't showering. I keep bringing that up. I don't know if that's true or not. You still need to look good through the camera. I think a benefit, too, with salespeople, you have your different screens, monitors, computers, access to the information. So that same study by McKinsey 
said that hybrid selling will be the most dominant approach next year. They even said they could drive 50% more revenue than traditional selling methods. So hybrid is using multiple channels. Let's talk about that. The key here is to adapt to all different forms of communication. You'll have your favorite, but then your prospect, client, or customer will have their favorite. But you can optimize quicker, faster, easier. But then remember, you can talk to four times more people. Now you have access to the world. So that was from Forbes.com. Good information. So let's take a dive into that. Let's focus on how do you lead? How do you persuade? How do you sell? How do you close in this hybrid, digital, changing all the time world? Even in my world, as a trainer, I train via email where there's an autoresponder with different types of tools. I've trained via text, text tool of the day. I can train via the website, via phone, via Zoom type meetings, group, one-on-one, coaching face-to-face, all of the above. That's what we need to talk about. So no, there's different types. We're going to go over the pros and cons of those. Now, which one do you choose? I know you have your favorite. I hate Zoom, but I still have to do it. That's what a lot of organizations, they know the training's not as effective. They know the engagement is not as good, but it saves them so much money from sending everyone or flying me in. A lot of companies are still doing that. So which type of medium should you use? It depends on somebody's age. Seems like the older they get, the more the phone, email, face-to-face. The younger generation, is, it's much easier for them to FaceTime, to Zoom, to use digital, to text. It's just easier for them. What's ironic to me, I remember when video phones came out, they were a complete failure. I remember my parents, I don't want people to see me. What if I just woke up? What if we're eating? What if my mouth is full? <laughs> it failed. Video phone failed. It's also going to depend on the situation. The amount of information you need to talk about, the amount of time you need. And I would even add the amount of the sale. If you're dealing with million-dollar properties, that's probably more face-to-face than, say, a quick $1,000 software sale. The depth of the solution, the complexity of the sale, the price of the sale is all going to be factored in. But I think the biggest one is how do they want to communicate? And I think for a lot of us, it's probably all the above. We'll do some texting, maybe some emails, some Zoom, hopefully eventually some face-to-face. So you can especially when you talk about persuasion negotiation, you'll probably start with a simple email or text and end up face-to-face. Kind of how it works, especially for these complex, expensive sales. How much trust do you need? It's easier to build trust face-to-face than it is through the internet. Do you need a long-term relationship? We all know you can maintain a relationship via digital and Zoom and online meetings, but starting that relationship, building that rapport is much, much easier face-to-face. How warm is your prospect? Are they completely cold, never heard of you, or they just have a few more questions? Could dictate which medium you use. And also, how much potential emotion? Because it's easier to get upset and say main things via email or text than it is face-to-face. If you're having a difficult, courageous conversation that we talked about last week's podcast, there's going to be more emotion, more anger, more frustration that's easier to handle, easier to read, easier to deal with face-to-face. It's probably easier for you to curse somebody out via email or over the phone than it is face-to-face. Not everybody, but most people. So let me go in order. I feel this is my order. It could change a little bit from easiest, quickest, fastest, but little rapport, little trust. So the first one is email. That's great. It's fast. It's easier to handle rejection. So the cons is a lot of emails don't get out. They might not know who you are. You might go to spam. They weren't expecting it. 
doesn't work very good for a first contact a lot of times. Now, when they've contacted you first, requested information on a website, it can work, but it's very informal, no trust, no rapport. It's a numbers game with email. You send out a million emails, you might get 10 people that are interested, whatever your numbers are. So it's cold, it's insensitive, not a good way to start, but it can be good for a quick, easy, fast follow-up, sending information, answering questions. And a con could be too, a lot of people just aren't doing emails anymore. As you get younger, it seems like they just text. They just don't even read emails anymore. And that's the next one. Text, very similar to email, although it's better because it pops up on your phone. It's there. It seems to be quicker, faster, and easier than email as far as your prospects reading it. But the same thing with email. It's even worse for the first contact. But if you develop the relationship, you have their cell phone number, you can text. It does have better response because it just pops up on your phone versus a lot of people's email does not pop up on their phone. We have seen that trend more text, less email. And then there's a website. You can use that for people to get information, to sign up for a newsletter, autoresponder, learn more about you. That's a great digital form of communication. They can find you. So you can put links in. That's a great pro. But a lot of times people can get lost in the woods, in virtual reality, whatever you want to call that, that's the website. Then there's the phone. Phone's a great thing. You, you can't read body language. Like I said, it's easier to get upset. It's easier to yell. People aren't paying as much attention. They're probably multitasking. They're eating their sandwich. They're drinking their beverage. But it is good to get things started and take the call. You can build rapport via the phone. It's great for you to have notes. And take notes. It's much easier over the phone than it is face-to-face -face a lot of times when you need that eye contact. And I always get asked, you lead a voicemail? I mean, if you're in persuasion sales, probably not, at least the first couple of times. It's much easier to disregard a voicemail than a live call coming in. Now, if you've tried everything else, try a voicemail. And here are the complaints about voicemail. You're speaking too fast. It sounds like you've done it a million times, which you probably have. Customize it to them. What do I mean by that? Well, if it's they're like, it's Bob, you know the drill. I mean, to the point. Hey, it's Sally, and there's music in the background, and your call's important to me. Be a little more lively, charismatic. You can adapt to them. Then we have the Zoom meetings. Quick, fast, easy, the new norm. Careful of the length. Careful of staying focused. Careful that the camera's pretty much level to your eyes. So you're not looking down or looking up to them. Background. We've seen plenty of YouTube videos with people walking in the background. I'll let you fill in the blanks there. But pretty good. But you already know the pros and cons. We've talked about that. And maybe you just want to give your prospect, your client, the option. What do you want to do? You want a phone call, face-to-face, -face, Zoom, if you can. Sometimes if they're across the world, you can't do a face-to-face. -face. Which brings up groups. Groups are great face-to-face. -face. I mean, you've got to be a great presenter. You've got to hold their attention. Remember, there's no such thing as a boring topic, only a boring presenter. Now, one-on-one, -on -one, remember, you adapt to them. You persuade them how they want to be persuaded. In a group, you shoot down the middle because you have all the personalities. That's the big difference. And groups are great. When most of the people agree with you, do it in a group setting. Most of the people disagree with you, you probably should be persuading one-on-one, -on -one, especially internally. And then from groups, face-to-face, one-on-one, building rapport, building trust, building that relationship. I mean, the big con there is the cost, the travel time. You're not seeing as many prospects, but you're building relationships, you're building the trust, you're connecting, you're making it happen. That is face-to-face. -face. So there you go. Pros and cons. Which one to use? Probably all of them. It depends on the situation and the person like we talked about. It is the future. So there you have it. One for the books. Take one of those. 
and just improve yourself. Is it presentation skills? Is it group? Is it phone? Is it texting? Is it email? What is it you need to work on and implement it? So thanks for being here. Really appreciate it. I'm continuing the special at presentationiq.com. It's free. 10 questions, presentationiq.com. Identify your strengths and weaknesses to giving presentations. Help me with my research. And for doing that, going to give you the training on the perfect persuasive presentation. The downloads, the formats, the templates, everything you need to structure, deliver that perfect persuasive charismatic presentation. So check that out. So adapt to the new world of persuasion and sales. Become more influential. Become a better negotiator. Learn how to lead and go out and persuade with power.